The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Good morning. Couldn't help but identify with what I heard Ethan say about the New Year's. Well, those lights are bright, aren't they? What he was saying about the New Year's resolutions all relating to food, it reminded me of a story that I once heard of this uh, wife walked into the bedroom to find her husband standing on the scales doing this. And she says, honey, do you really think that's going to help? And he says, absolutely. It's the only way I can see the scales. So maybe some of you feel a little bit like that after all of the holiday eating, and I'm sure there'll be more of that tonight as we celebrate the end of 2017 and the beginning of what I hope is going to be a wonderful and fruitful year for the Abner Creek Church family in 2018. I want to first say thank you and bring you greetings from 25 families and singles that you support who we have, Debbie and I, and our children have the opportunity of serving alongside of in South Asia. The Lord called us there back in 2005, and we actually arrived on the field in 2006 and have had the joy of living and serving in South Asia for a number of years. But when I think about the calling that God has placed on us and that, that real sense of of uh, just burden that God has given to us, and we just feel compelled by His Spirit to live among people who do not have access to the gospel the way you and I have had access to the gospel throughout most of our lifetime. And when I think about the fact that that calling we know is on our hearts and lives, but the fact that we're able to follow that calling, we're in partnership with you. You're enabling us through your prayer, through your prayers and through your financial support to act on a sense of calling that the Lord has placed on us. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the way you give to support us through Lottie Moon. Um, Your gifts are impacting the way people are having the opportunity to hear the gospel And so many exciting things are happening, and I wish we had time to sit down over a cup of coffee and just to talk about some of the wonderful things that we have the joy of seeing God do in the places where he's called us to live and work. Uh, But I want to say thank you for that. I want to say some names to you this morning that I don't know if they'll be familiar to you or not, but I want to take a chance and see if there's somebody who might recognize these names. I'll give you three names, and I wonder if you'll recognize who they are. So the first name is Christian Bernard, and the second name is Louis Washkansky, and the third name is Denise Darval. Anybody recognize those names? No? Anybody? In 1967, a young lady, 25 years old, was involved in an automobile accident. And sadly, that accident took her life. Head injuries ended her life, but inside of her chest was still a very healthy heart. 
in the hospital, there was a 53-year-old man named Louis Waschansky who had chronic heart disease. And really, because of his heart condition, that was his limiting factor. It was limiting him from doing what we would all say are normal activities for life for a 53-year-old. 53 seems young to me these days. And on December the 3rd, 1967, Dr. Christian Bernard and a team of surgeons took the heart, the healthy heart, out of Denise Darval's chest, and they placed it inside of Louis Washkansky. And the first ever heart transplant took place in South Africa, and at least for a short while, Louis was given the gift of life. But it came at the cost of the death of this 25-year-old lady named Dennis Darvall. It's a fascinating story to me to think about the series of events, the sorrow that one family experienced and the joy of another because of the gracious gift of life that was given. And I did some research to find this story only because I was struck by a parallel that I had seen in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of the Bible that you and I read from. First, it was the Old Testament that really got my attention. I was reading Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36. And I don't know if you have your Bible with you, but why don't you flip real quick to Ezekiel 36. I want you to hear what Ezekiel would say to people who are living in exile, their hope is gone. And listen to what God would give Ezekiel. He would give them, him a message to deliver to them, to inspire them to have hope when otherwise they would have no reason for hope. Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning with verse 24. Now keep in mind, they've been taken from their homeland and moved into a place where they're living away from home in exile. And here is the promise that the Lord would give to them in Ezekiel 36. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. In verse 26, listen to it. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Sounds strangely similar, doesn't it, to the story of Denise Darval and Louis Waschansky. Louis, because of the diagnosis, a poor prognosis for a man with chronic heart disease, he was without hope unless someone intervened, unless something changed on the inside. And here are people living without hope 
unless something changed, unless someone did something to deliver them, they were a people who were living without hope. And we see in Ezekiel this prophetic word of something that really had already been described as happening in Genesis chapter 15. I don't know if you remember who uh, the main character of Genesis 15. Of course, the main character in the Bible is always God, but some of the supporting cast, uh, there's a man named Abraham. Anybody remember what God told Abraham? God told Abraham something strange was going to happen. Something impossible was going to happen. What did he promise him? Anybody remember? Anybody awake? Yeah. Was going to promise him a son. Actually, was promising him more than that. Was promising him sons, generations, nations. He was making a promise that would seem so impossible for Abraham to believe. Because after so many years of marriage and being an old man, he had not seen yet the fulfillment of this promise. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says... When God made this promise, he spoke something to him that seemed ridiculous. In Genesis 15, 6, it says that Abraham did what? Believed God. He believed that the impossible was possible. And because of his faith, what did God do? God credited his faith to him as righteousness. There's the spiritual parallel to the story of Denise Darval and Louis Washkansky. Here's a man who is not righteous. Here's a man whose heart, like every other human heart, is marked by sin, defiled by rebellion against a holy God. In Genesis 15, 6, we hear that by faith, what does Abraham receive? A new heart. A new heart. The same thing Ezekiel is promising in chapter 36 verse 15. I want you to turn your Bibles now. Let's go to the New Testament. I want to spend a few moments looking at this passage in Romans chapter 4. Romans 4 is where Paul is writing a letter to the church at Rome, and he is telling them the gospel. And he's wanting to make sure that it's clear in their hearts and minds that the gospel is a message of grace. It's a message of grace, that God has been gracious and kind towards sinners, and that if they would put their faith in him, he will credit their faith to them as righteousness. The fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 36 that we looked at earlier we're going to read about in Romans chapter 4. So look with me at Romans 4. 
Romans 4, beginning with verse 1, it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And he's going to quote from the Psalms, verses 7 and 8. He says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now, if we were to read through that whole chapter, chapter four, and we'll read some of the latter verses in just a few moments, but when I was reading through and making some notes, in chapter four, some 28 times, I believe it was, that we see either the word faith or belief or it was counted to him or credited to him as righteousness. Some 28 times in this one chapter, Paul is making the point to say that spiritual heart transplant that we all desperately need is made possible only by God's grace and our faith in God's grace, the gracious gift that he offers to us. 28 times he makes a point to say it. If we look at the latter part of that chapter, listen to some of the circumstances surrounding Abraham's faith and how it is described. Look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up 
for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now think back to what Paul is telling the believers in Rome. He's wanting them to understand that as we look back, we look back and see how God credited righteousness to Abraham because he embraced a promise that God had made to him. A promise that seemed impossible, but because God had said it would come to pass. And Abraham, from within him, from his heart, he embraced it as if it was a reality. And God granted him righteousness. He gave him, he imputed righteousness to him. And now Paul is saying to us, That this promise and this example that we see in Abraham's life, it's not just for us to marvel at what God has done for Abraham. It is to inspire us to embrace a promise that God has made to us. That if we will look to the one, Jesus, who died for our trespasses and was raised again, if we will look to him in faith and believe that those who call on his name will be saved, what will God do for us? He will also credit it to our account as righteousness if we will put our faith in the person of Jesus. I know you're familiar with these verses, but I want to I give you some verses to kind of hang, we want to hang our hat on some verses in terms of as we move through what the gospel message really is. And so just think for a moment with me, and I know you're going to remember these verses. Romans 3.23, what does it say? Somebody tell me Romans 23, 3.23. Anybody remember? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I want you to think back to Mr. Lewis Waskansky. The doctor walks into his room, and after examining him, however he would have examined him and would have said to him, your heart, this heart, it can't take much longer. The diagnosis for you is heart disease. The prognosis for your life, it's not good. You can't make it long with this heart. Now imagine the doctor for us is the word of God. And here we're sitting in the examination room and the scripture is giving a diagnosis to all of humanity. And what is the diagnosis? Not physical heart condition, but what is the spiritual Diagnosis for every one of us in this place and everyone who's outside of this place. We are all sinners. We all have a heart problem, a chronic heart condition. We are sinners. And what is our prognosis? What, what can we expect Because of our heart condition, just as Mr. Lewis Waskansky could have not expected much longer on planet Earth, what what do we have to look forward to? Romans 6.23, what does it say? 
The wages of sin is death. The consequence, the the result of the sin that is present in every heart, every human heart, is death. Separation from God. But it doesn't stop. It says the wages of sin is death, and then there's the word but. And what does it say? But what? The gift of God is eternal life. That's right, eternal life. There's some enthusiasm. Somebody's awake. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now think back to the story. Lewis received at what expense? At the cost of a 25-year-old woman. And I'm thinking for us, I'm thinking 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Y'all remember this verse? It says, the one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This prophetic word that Ezekiel would give back in chapter 36 of his prophecy, speaking of giving the people a new heart and placing his spirit in them is pointing towards Jesus, the donor, the one who would offer us the only righteous heart available. Every other human that's walked on planet earth, the best of the best of those of you who are in this place, the purest of the pure who are in this church this morning, fall short of the glory of God. And we needed a spiritual heart transplant. And 2 Corinthians 5 21 tells us that the one who knew no sin, he became sin, and then what did he experience? Because he took our sin upon himself. He died. And we look back to that Romans 4 passage again. It spoke of his dying, but it also spoke of his rising again which to us would be the sign for us that he truly was the one who could deliver us from our sin, who could give us the righteous heart, who could give us the new heart that we all so desperately needed. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his Love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans ten, nine and ten. If we will do what? Believe with our heart and 
confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, what will happen? We will be saved. That spiritual heart transplant is available to those who will believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. That spiritual heart transplant is available. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We receive that new heart by having the kind of faith that Abraham had. The kind of faith that would, would look and say, it seems impossible that I could be righteous. It, it's, not, it's not possible that I could perform at a level to deserve to be in fellowship with God. Spiritually speaking, we are not able to produce the fruit of righteousness just as Abraham was not able to make a son appear on his own. But he did not waver in unbelief. It says, against hope, in hope, he believed. And you and I, against hope, in hope, believe that what Jesus did for us on the cross was adequate. It was sufficient for our salvation. And we put all of our faith and trust in Him. And we receive from Him His righteousness. We receive that chance to have life, real life, meaningful life. You know, we talked about 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says something about those who receive a new heart, all right? We're talking about receiving a new heart by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, can I read it to you? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, 
He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our faith in Jesus gives us a new heart. It takes the old sinful heart and places it on Jesus who pays the price of death the consequence of our sin he endured. And all of the rewards of his righteousness, of his holiness, are transferred to us. We now benefit from having his heart, having his spirit literally live inside of us. And verse 17 says, we become a new creation. And it says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Two things that I want to challenge you as a church to think about as you move into a brand new year. 2018. Those who have received a new heart by placing their faith and trust in Jesus now have a new relationship with God. Where sin had destroyed our fellowship with God and separated us from Him, now with this new heart, we have been reconciled to God. The desire of God is that we would walk in fellowship with Him. And so for every person in this place this morning who has received a new heart by believing in Jesus who died for your sins and rose again, I want to encourage you to prioritize your relationship with God the Father in 2018. Not to prioritize religious activity not to prioritize the label of Christian but to to make much of a relationship with God three things that I want to encourage you to do regarding your relationship with God and I'm going to give you a way that you can remember this Does God speak to us? Just think about a relationship. Does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? Through His Word. You and I have been given a revelation from God. He is revealing to us Himself in the pages of His Word. And so as we take His Word and read His Word, we have the opportunity to listen to what God Himself is desiring to say to us. And I want to challenge you in 2018 to listen carefully to God as you prioritize the time that you spend reading His Word. 
I don't know what your habits are when it comes to time in the word. I don't know what distractions you have to deal with in order to be faithful and committed to listening to God through his word. But I want to challenge you in 2018, make a commitment. You want to make a resolution that really matters? Resolve in 2018 to listen carefully to God's word. Second thing I want to encourage you to resolve to do in 2018, when God speaks to us through his word, he is revealing to us his will for our lives, for our life, his desire for us, which means we're often being challenged to alter our course in order to obey what he is telling us to do. We don't read his word and then just carry on doing whatever it is that we were doing before we read. We read and learn, oh, I'm not doing something that I should be doing. I think I should start doing that. Or we discover, oh, I'm doing something that I should not be doing. And we realize, oh, I should stop doing that. And so I want to challenge you again when it comes to the word. First, make the commitment, resolve to listen to God as he speaks to you daily through his word. And second, make the commitment to obey God as he reveals himself to you in his word. Now God speaks to us. And we love him, and so we obey him. How about that relationship? How do we speak to God? Prayer. And I would challenge you this morning as a church family in 2018, you want to make a resolution that really matters? Resolve to have a deeper commitment to your prayer times, to time in God's presence, speaking to him through prayer. Again, I don't know what distractions are there. I don't know what challenges you're going to face in order to be faithful, to pray more regularly, more consistently. But I want to challenge you to resolve, to speak to God to nurture that relationship with God by being more committed to time in prayer, more committed to time listening to the word and more committed to a lifestyle of obedience to his word. If you have a new heart, you have a new life. And that new life brings you into a new relationship with God. We develop that relationship. We prioritize that relationship with God by speaking to him through prayer, by listening to him through the word, by loving him through obedience. But there's a second thing mentioned in these verses. It says that anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. And then it says, and he gave us the 
ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean to you? To know that if you've received a new heart, you have a new relationship with God, but you also have a new responsibility to others. And what is that responsibility? He calls it the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? To bring others to God. He goes on to describe that. He says, you have committed to us the message of reconciliation. What is the message of reconciliation? The gospel that we just went through together, Romans 3, 23, 6, 23, 5, 8, 10, 9, and 10, 10, 13. We can give the gospel to someone by walking them through those verses. Of course, there's more to say than just to quote those verses. But in a nutshell, that's the gospel, the core of the gospel we find in those verses. And he says that we've been committed or we've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. He says in the same text that we are ambassadors for God. He says it is as if we are pleading with the world. The picture is of, of Paul and his apostolic band. They're down on their knees with the world. Every place where God is sending them to represent Christ, they're pleading with the world, be reconciled to God. Receive the spiritual heart transplant. That's what Paul is saying their ministry is like. And church, that's what he is describing as our ministry also. Everyone who's been made a new creation has a new relationship with God. Prayer, Bible study, and obedience. And a new responsibility to others. And what is that responsibility? To hold out the words of life that are found in the gospel. To plead with lost loved ones and neighbors and friends. To be reconciled to God. I want to challenge you in 2018 to prioritize your relationship with God, to resolve, to spend more time alone in the presence of God, expressing what's on your heart through prayer, to spend more time in a quiet place with an open Bible, an open heart and mind, listening to what God would say to you with a commitment to obey Him. And I challenge you in 2018 to prioritize your responsibility as a minister of reconciliation, as an ambassador who is pleading with the world to be reconciled to God. I don't know how many people are here this morning. I'm not good with numbers. But let's say there were 100 people because that's a round number. It's easy for me to multiply. 
What if every person in here that has received a spiritual heart transplant and you're a new creation now with a new relationship and new responsibility. What if every one of us made much of our relationship with God and week in and week out we were looking for the opportunity to initiate a spiritual conversation with people who are far from God? And what if a hundred people here at Abner Creek Baptist Church every week had at least one spiritual conversation with someone else that was aimed at bringing the message of reconciliation to them. In a year, 5,000 people, 5,000 people would have the opportunity to hear message of hope that has radically transformed our lives. And not only would they be hearing it, they would be seeing it displayed in our life as we're following the Lord and living out our commitment to Him. I want to challenge you as a church, even as I accept the challenge myself, let's make 2018 a year that we prioritize things that are eternal over things that are temporal. If your biggest resolution relates to biceps or waistline, you're shooting way too low. Let's make much of the things that are eternal. Let's prioritize our new relationship with God and our responsibility to those around us to present them with the life-changing message of the gospel. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for your presence here in this place. You've promised us all the way back to Ezekiel, the promise you made was that you would give your people a new heart and you said, I will put my spirit in you. And that prophecy is fulfilled in the reading of the Gospels, where we see the one who knew no sin becoming sin for us. And we're thankful, Lord, thankful that by faith, we have become a new creation. By grace, we have become a new creation. And thank you for this relationship that we can now enjoy with you. Help us to make much of that relationship, to prioritize intimacy with you over everything else. And Father, thank you also that with the relationship also comes responsibility to be your ambassadors. Father, would you pour out grace on this church family that at a minimum, every believer in this place would initiate one spiritual conversation every week so that this community, the community around this church is able to be exposed to the power of the gospel 
that can transform their lives. Father, we thank you again for this time we've had together. And I pray that those who are making commitments now, that you give them the grace, Lord, to prove faithful to what you've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, It's common language that we use here that the sermon is not complete until we respond in the way that God is leading us to. Maybe for you here this morning, in light of examining our lives lined up against God's word, you recognize that maybe you need to change direction a little bit. Maybe there's a way that you're not being obedient to the Lord that, that you need to be. Maybe there's something you're doing that you need to stop. Maybe there's something that you're not doing that today's the day where that needs to begin. Just want to make a couple opportunities available to you. I'll be up front if you need uh, someone to talk to. Uh, I'd love to be that person for you. There's also a prayer room out the doors to my right and to your left where people are willing to pray with you over whatever it is that you might need prayer for. Uh, These steps are available uh, if you need to have a position of kneeling before the Lord. And and that's what the Spirit is calling you to do. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to be obedient and respond to the Lord in life, His Word today. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.